welcome to the Under 8 Podcast, a daily college basketball show brought to you every weekday in under eight minutes at the time of recording. It is Monday, January 22nd, 1047 p.m. My name is Josh Molnex. On today's pod, new AP polls and Monday night hoops. It's all right now on the Under 8 Podcast. New AP poll, and there were a couple top five teams on the women's side that are probably going to see their rankings impacted on the very first night of this new AP poll. A couple top five teams in trouble. A couple top five teams tested, one of them ultimately in trouble. Starting with number 16, Utah, 94. Number two, UCLA, 81. The entire game was close. Utah was in control going into the fourth quarter. Then UCLA won the fourth quarter by nine. And then Utah won the overtime by 13. And that's where you get a relatively lopsided score considering we went to overtime. Yeah. The overtime was not competitive. (laughs) Hence the 13 point ultimate win. Biggest upset or biggest win from a opponent ranking standpoint in Utah history. So congratulations to the Utes. They just also blew the doors off USC. So it's going pretty well right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they did this in a game where Alyssa Peely, who averages 22.7 points and shoots 63% from the field, had 16 points on four of 15 shooting. But that's okay when you're 13 of 28 from three and you out-rebound a team that doesn't get out-rebounded. And that's ultimately what the difference in this game was. Very, very balanced, kind of all-over-the-place attack from Utah. Like I said, your star player doesn't have a good game. This team is still good enough to go take down the number two team in the country. And signature moment for the program. Really, really cool for Utah. And the other part of this, just from a, a Pac-12 standpoint, Colorado and Stanford, we're going to talk about them a little bit later, but they're one and a half games up on everybody. This is a, you've got USC, obviously UCLA in there. Utah's playing really well. This is a loaded conference on the women's side, but you've got two clear front runners right now with the way everything played out these past few days. UCLA, 42% from the field, just 5 of 18 from the three-point line. The Utes made 13 of their 28 three-pointers. That seems pretty functional and missed just one of their 24 free throws. Um, You add it all up, you get 94 points and a 13-point win over number two, UCLA. In the Big 12, number four, Kansas State, 58. Number 13, Baylor, 55. The Bears scored 19 points in the second half. Eight in the third quarter, eight in the fourth quarter. They... And they went into halftime with a nine-point lead. Uh, we're not able to hang on to it. Number four, Kansas State uh, moves to 19-1 and one on the season with a three-point win in Waco. Yeah. Kansas State was in trouble. <laughs> Ultimately, they survived. That was not a pretty first half. Baylor very much looked like the better team. It looked like Kansas State was playing without Aoka Lee because they were. And then all of a sudden in the second half, They figured some things out defensively. Baylor's offense fell apart. 
Then Baylor kind of rallied and made a couple good, had a couple good offensive possessions. Kansas State had the answers. And once Kansas State got going, it looked like this was only going to end one way. And that was with the Wildcats winning. But it took a little while to get there. Mm-hmm. But for this team, right now, without your best player, to be two games up on every other team that has a, a number next to them in the Big 12 right now. There are a couple teams that are only one game back with one loss. But the the teams you expect to go challenge Kansas State in this conference, specifically Baylor and Texas, you've got a really, really good opportunity here to win this thing outright. That's a, a big-time win that you're not as expecting to get, especially without Aoka Lee. But they found a way to do it. And if you're Nikki Cullen and Baylor, you're just left wondering what in the world happened in that second half because they had this game and then all of a sudden they just didn't. Not to mention that the Bears have now lost three of four after yeah, that part the season, too. after start of the season, screaming out of the gates. Um, you lose a couple game, you know, you lose a game to Kansas that wasn't competitive. You lose a close one on the road against Iowa State, and you had this little this little mini stretch here before you kind of go back and forth, back and forth in terms of road versus home games. You have this two game stretch at home. You're not going to have another one of those until middle of February um, you were hoping to go to another to kind of right the ship and only, you know, being up at halftime, not being able to close it out uh, is, is going to hurt a little bit, especially when talking about the big 12 race. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, it looked like this was maybe the team in the big 12 heading into conference play and it has not turned out that way so far always. At least not so far, at least not on January 22nd. AP polls, let's talk about them. Men's AP top 25, one and two look very similar to the way that they did in last week's AP poll. Number one, UConn getting 44 first place votes, Purdue getting 17, the other 17, nobody else getting a first place vote here. UConn one, Purdue two, North Carolina, Houston, and Tennessee all move up one to round out the top five with Kansas dropping all the way to seven after a tough week and a couple of other uh, big jumps up and, you know, big jumps up and uh, large falls down the top 25 Memphis drops nine spots after their rough week. Uh, A couple teams jumping into the top 10, moving up three, four five spots, Uh, a good amount of movement in this week's AP poll. Yeah. The big, the big thing stood out to me was Memphis still, Still in the top 25, but you go from 10 to 19, like you said. The other thing. I I understand why, because it's not like they've gotten a bunch of signature victories that are going to really impress voters and make them jump a bunch of teams. Mm -hmm. Auburn is playing probably better than any team in the country right now. Maybe outside. I mean, it's them or North Carolina. And somehow they're still only up to eight. That just, there's something about that that baffles me. Although I understand why. Just if you're, if you're looking at this in terms of how teams are playing in the overall resumes, there's no way Auburn's eight. Auburn is the top five team in the country at this moment in time, but they don't necessarily have the signature wins and the. They're 0 and 2 in quad one. Yeah. Win a quad one game and then I'll feel sorry for you. That's. That's that's fair. And maybe they aren't one of actually the five best teams in the country. They are just 
I wanted to point this out because they are blowing the doors off everybody they play. Have they played the best teams? You know, we need to see what they look like against the Kentuckys, against the Tennessees. Sure. They're yeah, the just... only team in the th- top 30 of the net that doesn't have a quad one win. Yeah. Okay. There's there's some validity to that. I just felt like the, the amount of wins they're racking up here, they would have gotten higher, but there are a lot of other teams also racking up quality wins. So just keep an eye on the yes. Tigers. I suppose it's a question of, all right, you want them to be higher than eighth. Which one of the seven are right. you putting them ahead of? I mean, and maybe it's just that simple. Maybe it's there's only five spots inside the top five, and North Carolina is hotter than them right now. Um, yes. Oh, the, the top three have to be the top three. Yeah. And I suppose you know if Houston, if they weren't a, ahead of Houston last week, they weren't going to be ahead of them this week because right. there would have been a different week to jump them. But um, at some point, you know, at some point it's going to be inevitable if they keep winning. Yeah, and it's going to sort itself out because they're going to play the best teams in the SEC and we're going to figure out exactly how good they are. Yeah, they go at Alabama, at Mississippi State, and their next two, those are two top 35 Kim Palm teams, get a little bit of a break with a home game against Vanderbilt. No disrespect to the Commodores. Um, honestly, it's not the most intimidating of SEC schedules in general. Um, you play Alabama twice, um, but you get Kentucky once at home. You get Tennessee once on the road. So in terms of home and homes, it's not the it's not the scariest of 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 schedules. The the rest of their away games are Alabama, Mississippi State, Mississippi, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, and Missouri. So I mean it's it's certainly not easy, but it's you know, it could be worse. Yeah. Well, that's the kind of schedule that can win you an SEC regular season title. Yep. Yeah. Right now, right now, Auburn five and zero, a one game ahead of Tennessee, Alabama, and Kentucky, all at four and one right now. So that Alabama game coming up later this week is uh, is an interesting one for sure. The last thing I wanted to mention with this poll, shout out New Mexico Lobos, sure, cracking the top twenty five. Been high on this team all season. They haven't exactly delivered from start to finish, but they are playing really, really well right now in a good Mountain West. Happy to see him get the top 25. One of my, I, this was the team that I, and the reason that I thought San Diego State wouldn't win the Mountain West. I haven't exactly been proven right in that because Colorado State happened too, but the Lobos are coming. Happy to see it. Mid major conferences dominating the bottom 10 with the mm-hmm. AP poll right now. Six of the yep. 10 from 16 to 25 are, are mid major teams. That's Dayton, Utah State. Memphis, Florida Atlantic, Colorado State, and New Mexico. There you go. What if I told you that on January 22nd, Memphis was going to be the highest-ranked American team and not Florida Atlantic? Would you be stunned by that if I told you that a month and a half ago? month and a half ago? Before the season started. Whichever arbitrary... Whichever arbitrary... Uh, date you want to pick before the season sure i would have been pretty surprised once memphis got going though it was and now we're talking about them after losses to usf and tulane but once they got higher than florida yeah once they got and rightfully so too once they got going it did not surprise me at all it was very i don't think there's too much between those two teams women's ap top 25 Death taxes in South Carolina at the top. 
17 and 0, rolling all 35 first place votes. UCLA was number two. They'll stay number two, of course, but we'll probably see some movement there, depending on what happens the rest of the week. But you'd expect maybe some movement there. Colorado sticking at number three. UCLA uh, jumps three spots up to number two, by the way. Kansas State up three spots to number four. And Iowa goes from two to five after their loss over the weekend. On the road at Ohio State, that's their first loss since the middle of November. So the top five, South Carolina, UCLA, Colorado, Kansas State, and Iowa. Some movement here on the women's side as well. You don't see two teams move up three spots and end up in the top five every day. And then, of course, one of them proceeds to lose on Monday, and the other one very nearly loses that same Monday. But Kansas State survives. Ohio State up to 12 after getting that win over Iowa. Also a very strange week for Colorado. We didn't really get to talk about this because of all the other things that happened, but you play both LA schools, you split with them, so you just stay number three. Mm-hmm. Reasonable enough. I mean, did what you were supposed to, so there you go. And then the other thing I wanted to mention real quickly here, we did not also get to cover this. Stanford is up at number six, but more importantly, Tar Vanderveer is now the winningest coach in college basketball NCAA history, however you want to categorize it. She's a stud, so congratulations Winning to her. Winningest coach, like, ever. Like, like yes. regardless of sport, ever. Yeah, I don't, I'm I don't actually know that for sure. Do... I don't actually know that for sure, but, yeah, like, maybe. there can't be, there can't be many. Yeah, and I don't I mean, know if it's a, a baseball di- coach. Yeah, I don't know if it's a division thing where there's a division two coach or something. Mm, sure. For the purposes of the college basketball conversation, she's the winningest coach of all time. Pretty cool. Very much so. Very much so. Anything else from the weekend, from today? I believe there's one other coach thing that we should probably mention. Yeah. End of the Tony Stubblefield era, DePaul. I guess I'm somewhat surprised they pulled the plug during the season. Don't know exactly what you're accomplishing by doing that. This was not going well, to put it kindly. Mm-hmm. So the decision itself, you can only expect so much at DePaul, but this was, even for DePaul, a really, really bad season, getting destroyed by teams. Usually they were at least somewhat competitive and were able to hang in there with some teams and cause at least a little bit of a scare, and it it just come off the rails. So no surprise at all this decision was made. I just it's not like you're you're fighting for an NCAA tournament or an NIT spot here. So I just kind of assumed it would happen at the end of the season, but you get your your head start on the coaching search, I guess. And the question is who can you convince to take this job right now? So we're gonna see what direction they end up going. I hear people talk about this idea of you can't expect much from DePaul. And like I don't totally understand why it's so hard to win at DePaul in the middle of Chicago in a major conference. And and some of it's probably, well, there's no on-site practice facility. The, the, the building they play in is not on DePaul's campus and it's not like walking distance, especially, you know, it's not walking distance in any city, but like in a city where you're on, you're walking as much as you are in Chicago and, you know, public transportation and that kind of thing. Like, it's not easy to get to if you're a student. So there are some of those things, but it's a little bit perplexing 
how bad this program has been for, and it's, it, it's not just stubble field. You right. know, I mean, we're going all the way back pretty much to, I, I mean, like pre two thousands. I mean, like Dave Lateo in the mid two thousands and then Dave Lateo at the end of the 2010s and early in the 2020s, like neither of those stints were successful really. And like, they had that one nobody, half, nobody can really figure season. it out. Nobody yeah. can, nobody can figure it out. And it's a little like they've only, they've only finished over 500 once since 2007. And it was a 19 and 17 season where they finished 118th at Kempom. So like, I, I, I know, like I, I get it, but I also get it more when like, I don't know, pick, it's not like there's a, and granted, yes, there are Big Ten schools in the area. Yes, there's Illinois. Yes. But it's not like your, you know, UTSA and there's this Texas giant. Like, it's not, it's not the same. Like, it's not the same. And I just, you would think that at some point, somebody at DePaul would have figured it out, even if it was for 24 months and they have like a nice little run, even if it's, if it's not super long, long lived and it's, there's just nothing to be excited about when it comes to that program right now. That over 500 season was the one where they won all those non-conference games, right? I think you're right. Um, they started 14 they were, and one or something and everybody was excited. One of them ranked. No, they were seven and 11 in, uh, they were seven and 11 oh. in, in conference play that year. Okay. Um, maybe there's the year they were 16 and 16. Uh, the 2019 20 season, they were 12 and one entering Big East play. There it is. And then yeah. went three and 15. Yeah. And okay. lost and, and won their Big East conference tournament game before the season was canceled um, ah. to finish 16 and 16. Okay. Okay. So it was two different. Yeah. Yeah. And that was. Dave Widow doing a really good job of even getting to to that point. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing you did. That clearly that was there the are Charlie some... Moore, Paul Reed, Jalen yes. Coleman, Lands. Like that's a Romeo Weems. Like that was yeah. that was a they were a good respectable team. basketball team. Yeah, there's clearly some resource issues, some support issues, because right, this is not just one one person, one series of bad hires. There's something systemic here, and it doesn't completely makes sense because of hypothetically what you have available in Chicago and what DePaul basketball has represented historically. And yeah, for the last two decades, it just hasn't come close to that. So got to figure out what the, the next step is. And it's also not a job that you're probably going to be able to get those A-list candidates for. Right. So how do you, you got to kind of strike gold with the the person that's able to turn this thing around that the other programs who have some more appealing opportunities aren't hiring for whatever reason. It's a, it's a tough needle to thread. It's a difficult situation for sure. Yeah. It's and it's a program with a, with a pretty rich history. I mean, like yeah, they've absolutely. had really long stretches of really good basketball and those stretches are a long time ago and now the NCAA tournament drought is up to 20 years this year, 2003, four, was the last time that DePaul was in the NCAA tournament. Anyways. And it also, and it also doesn't help that your neighbors next door, Northwestern are 
putting together competent basketball teams and sometimes competing to make the NCAA tournament. Yeah, that probably doesn't help either. All right, that's going to do it for the Under 8 podcast. Monday, January 22nd, just after 11 p.m. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to your shows. Follow the Under 8 pod on Twitter. Subscribe on YouTube. Uh, We'll be back to talk more college hoops tomorrow night. Until then, take care.